Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Bulldog fans everywhere. Uh, it might likely be morning by the time you're listening to this, but it's evening here. I'm your co-host, Colton Watson. I'm your other co-host, Round Dog. Ladies and gentlemen, he's back. He is back. Uh, baseball season is upon us, and so is the renewed age of the lounge dog he is back into his true podcasting form he has rested his radio voice twitter fingers he has not rested uh but he has recuperated and ready to go we have survived the malaise between uh football and baseball season we're back we're ready to get started you ready i'm ready to get after it so tell me you know what are your feelings not a let's 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 wind back the clock a little bit what it, how are you feeling about welcoming back welcoming back the 2021 national champions to the uh, stage in 2022? I know, notwithstanding how this weekend went, are you excited for baseball? I'm always excited for baseball. I'm going to say, it don't matter if we win 20 games, I'm excited for baseball. But thank goodness we're, we're past those days now. Seems like it. Hopefully. Uh, Stranger things have happened, but I'm excited too. I'm sure all of you are excited. I'm sure our listenership will start to tick up during baseball season, uh, especially if we if we stay on the hot track that we have been the last couple of years. So we, we're glad to be back. I know you're. Are you, what, what's more exciting, being back to baseball season or back on the show? Can it, can it be a tie? Can it be a? You don't have to. Uh, you don't. You, you can. You don't have to. You can be honest here. If you're. If uh, I know if the show is kind of a side hobby for most of us, but the uh, I'm glad we're all. I'm sure all the ones listening are just excited to have you back, as they are to have baseball back. But we're going to get into. So this, if you were listening last year, we're back with Gavin was here. It's going to kind of be similar. We're going to go through what all the hitters did this weekend, and normally this would include what they did during the midweek, uh, but we don't have to worry about that because there was no midweek. It was the first weekend of the year. We'll go through what all the pitchers did, uh, and, and the pitchers are going to appear in order. The hitters aren't going to appear in order because their order changed throughout the, the weekend. But the hitters are going to appear in order – or, excuse me, the pitchers. And then we'll kind of just talk about the weekend in general and just what the kind of prognosis is moving forward. Is that good with you? Sounds great to me. Starting off, I have I have some uh, potential center fielders listed first. Braylon Skinner, 0 for 2 on Friday, did not play at all on Saturday, 0 for 2 on Sunday. Uh, and I'm giving grades now, letter grades. I'm going to give him a D. However, uh, I, I'm not sure how much we could be expected of him, so giving him a D might be a little bit harsh. He looked at what he did last year, but I mean, he does need to take up a take a jump from last year. I mean, finished the year batting under 220. Uh, I didn't expect it to come along instantly, but he's had a fall in the spring now to become a college hitter, and he's just not an SEC hitter right now. So I hope that uh, he can pick that up because right now Matt Quarter is coming for a starting spot. Yeah, I'm about to say, I mean. Uh... I, I give I give some of these guys a free pass since it's like the first weekend. But uh, give me, I need I need to see something like at least give me something next couple weekends. There was no walks to his credit or anything like that. Jess Davis is our next player. 
Only got one at bat. He did not record a hit. Really, really surprised he didn't play more. Were you, were you, I mean, we heard a lot about him being, you know, such a plus fielder. I know his early years at UAB, he hit okay, and he kind of had a slump last year. But we expected him to maybe get over that. Are you surprised he didn't play more? I, I actually was a little surprised. I was like, I thought he was, would have started off. But, again, Chris Bones must have saw some fall ball and, spring this winter leading up to the season opener of course I know right now we got some growing pains and we're just trying to figure everything out so yeah he was kind of he was actually leading off for uh some of the time during the spring scrimmages so a little bit surprising there Cameron James uh I'm gonna I'd go ahead and say you know as advertised he of course very few people got a hit on Friday but he was two for three on Saturday with two runs and a walk Two for three on Sunday with an RBI and two more runs. Uh, and I, I gave him an egg. He's just kind of chugging on. You know, the power isn't there yet. None of those are extra base hits, but he's getting on base. He's, he drew a walk, uh, having some productive at bat, so good for him. Yeah, I would agree. I'd give him an A for what I saw, particularly Saturday and Sunday. I, 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 I think I, I like that. I, I saw a lot of us I think that's a pretty good move, kind of putting him in that leadoff spot. And lo and behold, of course, you can follow it up with Logan Tanner and Luke Hancock. So, yeah, might see more of that. Might see more of the uh, leadoff Cam James. So, Logan Tanner, speaking of, 0 for on Friday, 1 for 4, did have two RBI, not on the hit, but two, two ground, uh, RBI ground outs on Saturday. Sunday was two for five with another RBI and two runs. So he's three for 12 total, uh, three RBI, two runs. I gave him a B minus. I think, you know, he, at least his, so many of his outs were productive. I think he should, you know, have some, a little bit tougher at bats, maybe walk more uh, because there are opportunities there for him to kind of work the count. And he kind of jumped on some things, rolled over a couple ground balls. But I don't expect too, uh, too much non-productive outs, too many strikeouts out of him either. I think he'll get going. Yeah, I was going to say, I wouldn't worry about all that right now. Uh, just, just, as I say, put, put the ball on play, usually good things will happen. And, you know, he can hit the ball a mile and he can uh, put a real spark into it with his bat. Has some of the highest exit below on the team, just not this week. Uh, Luke Hancock. No hits on Friday. One for four Saturday, two for four. Kind of got it back together with a run and a, a walk on Sunday. Let, 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 uh, he was three for ten with one run and a walk. I'm, I'm giving him a B. Uh, I'm surprised he didn't have more RBIs. And, again, he did have a double, but none of our power guys really showed their power this week, which is a, a little bit of a good thing. If you're going to lose these games, you know, it's not – it's not like you've seen everything that you expect. We expect Cam James, Logan Tanner, Luke Hancock, R.J. Yeager, Brad Cumbus, Kellum Clark. Those are all double-digit home run candidates. Uh, but none of them really connected with it on a big fly this weekend. So, hopefully we'll see uh, that kind of change. Uh, R.J. Well, Yeager, or what were you saying? I was going to say, well, that's kind of like credit to Long Beach State because they're more of a breaking ball. They're breaking balls left and right. On our, and so, they weren't. They never really left anything over the plate to get a hold of. 
not not to the usual suspects they didn't, but boy, did they make a mistake on Matt Quarter. Oh, buddy. Maybe didn't read the scouting report on that one. And I want to talk about that when we get to him. Uh, again, these are not in order. We got R.J. Yeager, uh, no Yeager bombs for him this weekend. Started off 0 for 4 each of the first two days, leading off. They move him down in the order. He goes 1 for 1. He, uh, he scores twice. He walks twice. So he kind of got it together, uh, but not the debut that he wanted to have. I'm, get, I'm looking at a C-minus from him, uh, especially for a leadoff guy. You really got to do a little bit better than that. But – He's still trying to get adjusted. Uh, we, I still expect him to be a productive member of the lineup. Oh yeah, oh definitely. I mean, you know, I was like, this ain't UAB no more. You play big boys, right? And um, uh, which he so was a Mercer. Don't get too confused. There's a, there's multiple Alabama school transfers on the team. Well, they go, they go, they go around real quick, but. I think a couple of weeks we go to Georgia, but I think it was good. For, for it was good just see him play under like this large crowd. Maybe get to just calm down. Kind of like what Lamotus said is uh, they just they played they probably played a little tight this weekend. Yeah, especially the new. Oh yeah. Uh, one newcomer that did do all right, I'm going to kind of skip ahead, Hunter Hines, one for three, the lone hit on Friday, one for three again with an RBI and a walk on Saturday, and then one for four with two RBIs, a run scored on Sunday. He finished three for ten with three RBI. Uh, that was tied for the team lead on the weekend. I'm going to give him a B. I'm going to give an asterisk by the B because if we're grading his base running, that would probably come down a good bit. And maybe I, I probably am letting the base running affect it, but for a true freshman to come in and get one hit per game, that's that's pretty outstanding, I would have to say. Uh, and there were a lot of real solid contact in there, so good for him. I think uh, he's a candidate, especially as a lefty, to st stick in that DH spot uh, more often than not. Yeah, I'm going to say. Because you got – We've well, got Pacumbus and you got Matt out, out in center field. Then well, if you got Kelvin Clark right, uh, we'll get to him in a minute. We got uh, Lane Forsyth, one for eight with a walk on the weekend. I, I gave him a C minus, and, and part of that's because, you know, as long as he's playing good defense, which he did for the most part, did have one error, but as long as he's playing good defense, I think. That's fine, but one for eight is same old lane so far. I mean, there's something going to be about his approach. I, I didn't get a good look to see. You know, last oh. year the backdoor four seamer. You know that that the arm side run where they'd kind of it start off an outside corner on the fastball and then it'd kind of move in. That really gave him trouble, and and coaches knew that, and that was pretty much all they threw to him. I, I didn't have the angle to really see how they were getting to him this week. He did put a good good lick on a couple of balls that were caught, to be fair to him. Um, but I'd like to see if it's kind of the same old thing or if he's still just trying to figure some some other things out or just or maybe it was just a tough weekend. I mean, we'll, well, I mean, we'll see. Obviously, we got some cream pubs coming up next couple weekends. Well, except for Tulane. 
But uh, if it if this goes on for a couple of weeks, apparently, from what I've seen, Ramona's like, it's not scared to pull the trigger or switch it up. But his, but his glove, his bat, his glove is is irreplaceable right now. Yeah, probably so. I don't know who else you – I mean, Tanner Leggett's on this list. He, he had some productive moments for you this weekend, to say the least. Uh, but right now, I'm, I'm rolling with him. I don't, I'm not calling for anybody on here to be replaced. Brad Cumbus, again, hitless on Friday, but did play most of the weekend. You know, this is probably – you know, how many times has he played all the entire part of the early – of an early weekend? He played – that, that's never happened to him before, so it's a unique situation to see Brad. If he was ever in the everyday lineup, it's always been late in the season. He was three for four on Sunday, was one – or excuse me, Saturday, was one for four with an RBI on a run on Sunday. I really, really liked what I saw from him. I gave him a B. He did have to lay out a couple infield singles. I know he's got foul pole to foul pole power, so I'd like to see him really get a hold of one, but it's good to see him hustling and getting on – finding a way on base uh, either way. I think – Think think you got a stolen base or two. Oh yeah, your your left field spot's pretty settled right now. Yeah, oh yeah. But we're gonna get into some things here in the other outfield spot spots. Kellum Clark, O for three, O O for four, and then O for two. Did have a walk on that uh, Friday game. He's got my worst grade. He's got a D minus, and some people might be, you know. There's some fans that are, and you might disagree. Or well, I'll just ask: Are you thinking about pulling pulling him, or would you leave him in? He did get benched on Saturday, on Sunday, but I don't think that was, you know, get your butt out of here and think about how bad you've been. I think it's kind of just letting him catch his breath and, and not press too hard. But would you leave him in? I would. I mean, you took him out. Sometimes, like sometimes, guys just need to sit for a minute and. Just watch from another from a from another perspective, yeah. and then and just and then come back like and then like work go watch go watch film see where are they attacking you where they're throwing them sliders they're throwing the breaking balls and he and he he it's like he never had a chance up there to play. So I think it's more. I think it's more just he. He's not having the right approach. Yeah, maybe pressing too hard. I think you know, kind of like Josh Hatcher last year when his glove was too valuable to pull him out until you just had no other choice. I think Kellen Clark's potential at the plate is too good for you to not let him try to figure this out because if he gets clicking, I mean we saw what he did in Omaha. Uh, that potential has been there since high school. He's got a, he's got the frame. He's got a sweet, sweet sink, swing from the left side of the plate. I think you have to let him figure it out because you know he's a weapon. He's an absolute weapon. He could change type of player that could change the game with one swing. I will say this: I was not. I, I some people outside of Mississippi State was like you know Kellum Clark, dark horse, golden spikes. You know Kellum Clark uh, might lead the SEC in home runs. I never was ready to put him in that category, and so far I'm look looks like I was right. But it's a very 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 short season so far, and I think he can get it together. I think the story right. is – go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, he he, he faced a, some pretty elite pitching this weekend. Like, the two starters Friday and Saturday for Long Beach compared to 
some people play in like Charleston Southern or Maine or Xavier, whoever. So I think I think playing this good pitching this early is going to help some of these guys. So I, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not too concerned about I'm not too concerned about some of these guys going hitless on the weekend. Lounge already bringing the shade day one out here shady as ever. Can I get an amen? Well, it it has to be said because well those certain folks are just look only four teams played a top twenty five team and they you know it was Vanderbilt or excuse me played in a top twenty five matchup. Vanderbilt and Oklahoma State played each other, and then us and Long Beach State. Those are those are the only ones. So I, anybody else, and both of the SEC teams in that group lost. Uh, but anybody that uh, wants to compare how their weekend went, it's kind of apples to oranges. Let's get a little bit deeper in the season, you know, maybe June, and then we'll see where everybody shakes out. I want to say, yeah, let me know by minute. I want to say. We'll know a lot more about mid-April. Matthew Corder, sir, welcome to Mississippi State. One for four on, on Saturday after the being a surprise starter. Two for three, two RBI, two runs, and a walk on Sunday. Quite the uh, ledger there. Made him three for seven. Wow. But the story is, I mean, look, first home run of the year. And when I tell you it was absolutely crushed, that ball did not make it above the grandstands as far as its height, and it cleared the lounge by several yards, probably about 30 or 40 yards. It wasn't it, – as soon as it left the bat, it was just – was it fair or foul? Instant. I mean, just got out of here in about two seconds. It was really incredible. I didn't expect it from him. I'm sure that Long Beach State and that pitcher didn't expect it from him. Why, why was he slept on so much? We know he didn't play much in the fall because of a surgery, but goodness gracious. I mean, we've been we've kind of just called it a two-man race in center field between Davis and Skinner. Right now, your center fielder is neither one of those guys. It's quarter. To be honest with you, I'm willing I'm will to ride with him. But, but I'm willing to ride with him because I see, I see pretty good potential. I mean, he's got the power. Braylon I mean, I've seen Braylon hit a homer, but he—I wouldn't consider him a big major power threat. And what, what's crazy is the last center fielder to come in in his first weekend and blast a home run that you didn't expect was Braylon Skinner. I mean, he murdered that one too. Uh, I, I wasn't in Baton Rouge that night. I think this one was was bigger. I mean, had an exit velo over 105 miles per hour. That's incredible, but. Oh, let's see if he keeps it up. If he keeps it up, I mean, you got more power than you thought because you you did like you said you didn't think you'd have power at the center field spot. Well, if Quarter's your regular center fielder, and this is a regular thing for him, my goodness, I mean, you got power from everybody except Lane Forsythe at that point. And that's and that's not to say Lane can't hit one because he almost had two in one game last year. He had he hit one and was about three inches from another one. Yeah, I mean, well. Just, it, it's an encouraging thing. Just need to see. That's kind of what I want to see this weekend is what can the new guys do. And I'm about to say, even though I knew I knew the veterans were eventually get going, but I, I just need to see what I just need to see what these young guys, these new guys, will do. And I'm I was impressed by Matthew. So positive things to look forward to. 
Moving on, Tanner Leggett, one for three, two RBI and one run. But what a couple of RBI that was, and what a hit. I mean, he blasted another home run. I mean, who had the first two home runs of the season belonging to Matt Porter and Tanner Leggett? It took him all year to hit his first one last year. And in his second game, he didn't even play on Friday. He's already got a home run. What a luxury it is. That guy can play pretty much all your infield, three infield spots reliably. Uh, he he is as solid as a backup as any of them as, as you can get. I mean, he's starting, I think, on a lot of SEC teams, definitely a lot of group of five teams. And he didn't transfer. He stayed with the program. I'm I'm really excited to have him on my baseball team. Oh, yeah, that, that's an old ultimate team guy. And he's a great utility guy. I can need him to pitch run and a pitch hit, obviously pitch hit, Mr. Clutch. Send us to the finals last year. I say I, I tweeted and I said that's Mr. Longhorn Slayer. I'd say some of my Texas buddies on Twitter still remember him. I said I bet y'all do. But he, but, said, uh, he said he said hey he made a great pitch better swing though. But he said after that game. Oh, I like the confidence. The, the just watching that thing. That thing was a thing of beauty. And I'll tell you about Tanner Leggett. I played against him in high school in four sports. I probably say this every time we talk about him. I don't care. I know I say this every time I talk about him, but uh, he was the best athlete. on. He didn't always win, but he was the best athlete on the field in all four sports. And he did always win in soccer. Uh, his Central Highlands Academy was dominant in soccer back in the day. I say that like it's been years ago, and honestly it has been. Uh, it really was. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting a little bit older, but – I gave him a B plus. Matthew Quarter had an A plus, by the way. I don't know if I said that. Last one to really talk about, Drew McGowan. He was two for three, had two RBI. Uh, early season, McGowan is the GOAT. I mean, Drew McGowan has has not uh, disappointed in the first couple weekends of the year. I remember against out in Texas last year, he was one of the hottest players out there. And it was like two inches from hitting a walk-off against TCU. They just had it shaded perfectly. But he really blistered that one. and and got them out of it with a double play. But really excited that he, again, what a luxury to have as a backup outfielder and potentially a starting right fielder if the Skellum Clark thing goes sideways. I don't see it, but you've got a backup infielder and a backup outfielder that is really, really – both are really, really reliable. See, I think you know, the problem with Drew last year was I think when we got to, like, conference play, he was struggling. So, I mean, well, I think my thing with Drew is I want to see him against, like, elite SEC pitching. We'll see. Uh, so, what we got left is Aaron Downs, no no plate appearances. Slate offered was 0 for 2, but looked good. Played a good third base uh, in a relief role. Von Siebert was 1 for 2. Uh, Davis Mesh was 0 for 1. Didn't really get to see much out of him. He, he did play in the field on Sunday, but did not get a hit or, excuse me, a plate appearance. So, all in all, you got a lot of guys here that saw playing time, but uh, let's, let's count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. You have 15 guys see the field in some way – or 16 – see the field in one way or another. So, good for those guys. Uh I think I, I want to bring this up before we move on to like the pitching. It's uh, well, what you say? We have what one error on the whole weekend? I think just one. 
was Lane Forsyth. And, and th maybe there's a couple they could have scored an error. Logan Tanner lo – lo let me put it this way. If it wasn't scored, Logan Tanner committed an error on a bunt on Saturday, and then Lane had one on yeah. Sunday. So that's two. It, Logan should have been scored an error because I don't think – I think he would have gotten the first, but he wouldn't have gotten the second. So that there's at least two. Well, I'm just glad – well, that, I can live with – like. I can live with a thrown air like that, but because it's a difficult play. But like compared to last year, starting off where we could throw, we could make an accurate throw from shortstop. I said, <laughs> I think, I think, I think oh, we'll be all right. And yeah, Lane, even Lane and and RJ too. RJ had a really nice play that almost got made if they had to review, and ultimately they called it an infield single, but. Uh, I think up in the infield, you had a really good weekend defensively. Yeah. We're going to get into our favorite segment. This was Gavin's favorite segment back when he was on the show. Rest in peace. He's not dead. He just works for the university now and can't comment on uh, things that we like to talk about. Landon Sims, sir, welcome. Welcome to the SEC. Uh, as, a, as a starter, welcome uh, to Friday night because he was as advertised. I, I don't oh. care who you're playing. I mean, this was pretty dominant, right? That was that was more than dominant. Then that was more than just shoving it. I'm he, gonna, oh, go ahead. I'm about to say he was absolutely electric. And people were sorry, people told me before the season, well, how, you think Sims? I don't I don't think Sims can translate to star. I say he started in high school. I said. But how many? But like, after like people see him for a third time, I'm like, they still can't hit it. I mean, albeit he he gave up one solo shot, and but he but he but it that's goes to another point where I'll talk about like sometimes a pitcher's win loss record is skewed. Otherwise, they, it's like I said. That was some Jacob Grom type stuff right there. Oh yeah, there's no uh, really, really um, unfortunate. I mean, just criminal actually that he's tagged with a loss, and that just goes to show that wins and losses aren't the most reliable pitching stat. But I'll give you the numbers: seven innings pitched, thirteen Ks, five hits, and only one. Of course, the home run, maybe another one was decent contact other I mean those are infield singles bloop singles or uh you can even call it a bloop double that just found the perfect gap not hard contact at all no walks and of course the one run and here's the thing even with 13 k's he was efficient seven innings complete and 81 pitches I mean that's that's your uh your Greg Maddox Craig Kimbrell type stuff but with the strikeouts I mean he was he did not get into a two ball count until the seventh inning which is just incredible I mean, unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch the game. But hearing people talk about it, then kind of watching a little bit of highlights of it, I was like, that's it. We'll be just fine. The uh, I, I think he just proved just there was a sliver of doubt. Sometimes it doesn't translate, but he proved he belongs as a Friday night starter. And he is – you know, knock on wood, Landon Sims is on his way 
to becoming one of the most legendary players we've we've seen in quite a while in maroon and white. Oh, he's already there, in my opinion. I think – I mean, if you stop – close the book on him right now, he's already there. I think he just kind of has to hold serve the rest of his time in Starkville uh, to, to stay that way. Of course, you know, if he has, has three or four bad games, you know, that, that might start to tarnish itself a little bit. But but I, I don't foresee that. He gets five flames, our first flame rating of the year. Um, Moving on, this goes in order of appearance. Parker Stinnett, one inning pitched, one strikeout. Two hits, two runs, a walk, a hit by pitch, and a wild pitch. To me, uh, I gave him just the one flame. It looks like the bad from last year is still bad. He, he's still having the control issues. This Let's is a guy it. that I thought was most likely to be the starter. Uh, what did, did, does do you think Stanette can get it back together? I want to see him in midweek games. That's a good idea. Let him figure it out there, right? Yes, I mean. These are my these are my bullpen. These are my weekend relief guys: Preston Johnson, Stone Simmons. Well, we saw Jack Walker come in, and I thought he did pretty good for his first appearance. Um, see who else? Those are those are a couple of the main ones. I have to think about it, but I but. Maybe not quite the embarrassment of riches at pitcher that we had a year ago, but I still think you've got a potential for a good good group. If Stanek can find that control, the stuff is there. Uh, speaking and, of – oh, go ahead. I'm about to say, and well, behold, well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to the stud on Sunday in a minute because I and the for the for the start rotation, I got two thirds of it correct. They look pretty dang good. That you did. That you did. But, well, of course, we'll see Jackson Fresno tomorrow, according to Lamonis. Correct. Correct. And uh, I got some, something to say about that later on, too. Oh, yeah. But, I, but I'm encouraged. It's just, I understand by like some of Lamonis' logic, what he was trying to do Saturday, like try to steal an inning with Cam Toller. Before he got to Preston Johnson, but by that point, to be honest with you, I wouldn't have now four. I wouldn't have used Preston at that point. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, you know, if he's just kind of tinkering. Um, speaking of some of the guys you talked about, you know, Stone Simmons came in, one inning pitch, three strikeouts, no no base runners at all. Is he – I think you need to see – I gave him four flames. I don't give – I usually don't give five flames for uh, just an inning of work. Although, you know, if you come out there and strike out the side with no base runners, I mean, you can't get much better than that. Uh, is he a closer or do you think you need to see more from him before you're ready to bestow that to him? Depressing. Stone Simmons. Oh, Stone. Yeah. I'd be willing to give it to Preston right now, to be honest with you. So you think Preston needs to close? Yes. Or hot take there. We'll go ahead and uh, we'll, is it really a hot take? Well, he, he, we'll go ahead and talk about Preston. We'll go out of order. Four innings pitch, nine Ks. That's phenomenal. Give up one hit and one run. None of them hurt him, but four walks. I don't think he'll walk that many, but four walks and four innings. You can't have free passes as a closer. I gave him three flames, which is good. 
good. Average is like 2.5. We don't really do hats, but. But he, what, how many innings he pitched? Like three or four? Four complete. I mean, but if you're going to be a closer, you're usually coming in for like one or two innings. And he walked the bases loaded in his second inning. Struck out the side, but walked the bases loaded. But he, but he's, he's one of the guys I bullpen capable. Of. He, if he gets you in a jam, he can get you out of it like, like that. Like if I, if it's like Parker Stinnett, if he puts you in that, I don't, I don't trust him to like get out of there unscathed. I got you. Kind of like Spencer Price used to be. He, he, he pitched better with trouble, almost like he throws better from the stretch. Yes. Um. We're going to go back to the order. Starter on Saturday was Casey Hunt. Had good stuff, but three innings pitched. Did get four strikeouts. Gave up six hits, five runs, two walks, one wild pitch that actually proved kind of costly. Uh, I was a little bit harder on him maybe than I should have. I gave him just the one flame. Uh, do you think he needs – are you already thinking to replace him as a Saturday starter, or do you want to let him let him ride a little bit longer? I'm going to ride next weekend, see how he does, but in the back of my mind, I'm just waiting to put Jackson Fristo in there. But I want to see what Jackson does because I know his his struggles last year was command. Mm-hmm. So I, just, I want to see – I just need to see from both of them a little more. I it's agree. Kind of, I, I think you got to leave him in there. I mean, look at what we did with Sarantola. I mean, Hunt's got sim- not not similar stuff, but similar quality stuff. <laughs> Sarantola, uh, he can be a flamethrower. He has some nasty breaking balls. So I would, I gotta let it ride. Cam Tuller came in, threw an entire inning, but just two Ks, four hits, three runs, one walk. I mean, I that's bad. And when you are starving for left-handers, I mean, you didn't see one of yours uh, this week. Or excuse me, you only saw one left-hander this week, and that was Tuller. I'm, I'm a little bit worried uh, if he can't get that under control. I will say this. I thought Tuller was good down the stretch last year, and he started off the year with some really bad outings but then got better in a, kind of a matchup situation. But one flame, I can't really say much good about his appearance. Again, I just need to see – I just need to see a little more consistency from some of the guys that I didn't like, – you hardly ever got consistency from. So, but I mean, I'm sure they can do it. I mean, of course, like we were just beating dead horse here, saying it's week, it's first weekend. They can get better, and sometimes it's just it's, it just takes repetition. Just keep because you can once you hear under the lights a little more often, you become a little more comfortable and instead of just playing a fall ball in front of like. Just, just the team or whatever. So, I think Cam could can get out of that little funk, whatever he had Saturday. Just he just needs to, he just needs a little bit better command. Yeah, I think uh, command issues are something that you know it plagues a lot of guys. We return a lot of guys from last year, but not all of them. Uh, we're, we're total strike throwers. You know Landon Sims is a strike thrower. You know, for the most part, Preston Johnson is a strike thrower, even though, uh, you know, he, he did get into a little bit of trouble this week. 
I think if you get the stuff is there, the ability is there, the experience is there. If we can kind of get a couple guys to click, the bullpen can be similar to what was a year ago. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think you get to it. I mean, with the addition, with the addition of Jack Walker. Jack Walker, we'll talk about him next. As you already talked about Preston Johnson, one inning pitched. Look, I'm a little bit harder on him. I thought his stuff was pretty good. Three hits, four runs, one walk, two wild pitches. The walk and the wild pitches kind of confused me. I was, you know, he was billed as a guy that was, you know, not a flamethrower, but a control guy. You know, hit his spots, uh, did what he needed to do out there uh, to get some swing and miss and some and some weak contact, not because of his, his – because of his pitch ability more than blowing by guys. Uh, he's, he's a true freshman, but was were you a little bit surprised uh, that his control wasn't as there as, as, as I expected it to be? Where his first outing, not really. I'm about to say, with the, in that atmosphere, your first start in front of what 10, 11,000 plus. I mean, sometimes you get you get a little nervous. It's like uh, I said earlier about Lamona saying they're playing a little. T- they were playing a little tight. I said you just need to relax, realize like that crowd's for you, and just go play and just play loose and play play for, just go play baseball. Sometimes it's just doesn't need to be overthought. It's just go go have fun, go relax. I always said, I said the looser team uses the most dangerous team. I have to agree. You know, I think he'll be all right. I, I'd like to see him get some midweek action too. I was surprised that we saw him at the end and not, you know, one of the veterans that hadn't pitched yet or one of the older newcomers like Andrew Walling that hadn't pitched yet, true freshman, but I think that shows you what Lamonis and Scott Fox will think of him to run him out there. The game was over, but to show him out, show him off on the weekend rather than uh, against Pine Bluff tomorrow said a lot. The story of the weekend outside of Landon Smith, excuse me, Landon Sims is going to be Cage Smith. 5.2 innings pitched, six strikeouts, one hit, one run, and that one run is a kind of a Mickey Mouse run. You get a, a, a Fluky double from Brandon Smith that drove that guy in after a walk, his only walk of the day. He did have one. I wrote IHBPB. I did not think at the time it was intentional, but he was so efficient after that first hit by pitch to open up the game that there's no way that was not intentional. Uh, because Listen, he, sometimes he, just, he didn't throw more than 15 pitches in any inning. He was so efficient. Uh, Listen, sometimes you just got to get some of that that bad juju out. But, all right, we're good now. I, I liked it. I, I liked mean, the move. It worked out for us. I was worried when it happened. When it happened, I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. We're going to walk the yard again. I told – I said – I was telling folks, I said, Case Smith's going to be a star. I saw it. I saw, I saw the potential last year in midweek games because he had the stuff. Oh, yeah. And he was a lot of last year. People forget he probably would have pitched a lot more. Oh, easily. But. um, Crazy that you had an injury to him. Brandon Smith was a cover from injury last year. Uh, Riley Self and Spencer Price were never. uh, After Riley Self got hurt, Spencer Price really never was right, I don't think. Still crazy how much. 
how dominant the, the pitching staff was down the stretch. But really, I mean, you basically, I mean, you basically got the same guys just. <coughs> Well, um, you don't have bad or Oh, will it be? Will it be? What? But, uh, I mean, will it be? Shout out Hell State still. Would you move him? Would you move Casey at the Sunday or leave him on Saturday? Or move him to Saturday or leave him on Sunday? See, I'm glad you asked me that because I – Tweeted about it Sunday. I like him in that kind of Kendall Graven role, in which I got a lot of pushback saying, "Oh, he's being moved Saturday." I'm like, but here's my theory: I'd rather him be on Sunday against what other team would be the third starter, and then if I have if I can give what I expect out of Jackson Fristo or KC. I mean, I have a chance. At least I have a better chance on Sunday if I need to win a rubber game. Then, so it's just kind of a. I'd rather pitch. I'd rather. I'd rather him go against like their third best or their worst weekend option. Yeah, I'm okay kind of leaving him on Sunday. If you move him to Saturday, that's fine too, but it's a real advantage on Sunday because I think very few teams this year, especially with the offense that we have, are going to have a, a legitimate third starter. And hopefully Kate Smith can be that. we got to all pump the brakes a little bit because, you know, I mean, little do we know, Jackson Fristo, uh, you know, had six no-hit innings in the, in the non-conference schedule last year and then was a non-factor by the time we got to Omaha. Barely pitched. I, well, I, I think he, I, I, you know, you know the same about the freshman walls. That's right, and and people forget too. He, Daniel Faulkner at some point. The what? I said Daniel Faulkner pointed this out a couple of times. You know, Jackson Fristo didn't have a senior a senior baseball season in high school. That was the pandemic. Yeah. So. I mean. I, mean, I I think now that he was able to get another offseason in the program, build his arm up, shouldn't be a problem trying to get them all this time. I'm, uh, excuse me. But I'm excited to see what he brings to bar at 11 a.m. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> right. Apparently, are getting bad storms up there. So, yeah, it's been raining all week, all week since Sunday. Uh, yeah, we're good. All right, so we're kind of having a reset moment after some technical difficulties. Uh, I don't know if y'all heard what I heard, but Lounge was kind of t- acting like he was talking through uh, a wormhole there. Or maybe, maybe like he'd had a little bit too much to drink. I know that that's not the case on a Monday night. You kind of sound like you were talking in slow motion. But back, uh, picking up where we left off, we were talking about Cade Smith and how good he was. And we both agreed that, you know, kind of leave him on Sunday and maybe figure out a Saturday guy, if that's Casey Hunt, if that's Fristo, we'll see. But uh, moving on to Brandon Smith, he pitched 1.1 innings. Did have a strikeout, but gave up four hits, and some of those are tough luck hits. But two runs and a walk, you know, I'm going to be hard on Brandon Smith. You know, that's a veteran reliever who 
kind of down the stretch last year, faded a little bit, but was really good early. I need better from him. I mean, I'm just going to be honest. And I'm being a little bit of a butthole there. But come on. I mean, you, you've you been here. I know you're coming back from the Tommy John, but that's been a long – I remember when that happened. That was fall of 2019. It's 2022 now. You know, it's ready to get on the roll, get on the roll uh, and start pitching better. I would tend to agree with you on that one. I mean, he, I mean, he was he wasn't he wasn't a factor no haul. I mean, he's a guy we need. I mean, if you remember last year, you were throwing him after Christian McLeod, and it was between him and McLeod, it was eight to nine innings of just shutdown baseball for a few weeks there. Him yeah, and Christian fell <laughs> fell off the face of earth after yeah. the record. What a lot of pitchers fell off and a lot of pitchers stepped up. You know, it's kind of crazy how the depth worked out. But, you know, Harding, Bednar, even Sims, although he was good from the beginning to end, uh, a couple other guys even stepped up. And then you had several fade out. Still crazy. You really had one and a half starters in Omaha and you won the whole thing. I mean, that's crazy. That's why Bednar's performance in Omaha is going to be one of the most legendary things in the College World Series ever. For any team and definitely in any sport in Mississippi State history. Uh, Brooks Auger came in a little bit of a mop-up time, did give up a hit, but throughout an inning, two Ks, no free passes. I gave him three flames. Uh, I think that's another newcomer that could be a factor down the stretch. I, I thought he looked pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't get to watch the tail end of it, but from what you said, it's, a, it's not going to say pretty good, I'm going to say, for, for a new guy coming in. Um, so, hopefully, just build up, build on that. I just, like I said earlier, I want to see I want to see these new guys get started off kind of a fast start so I can at least have some kind of confidence before we have to head to Georgia. Agreed. Uh, Mikey Tepper finished things up. Just one inning pitch, one K, two hits, did give up a run. A little bit concerning, you know, that's a flamethrower that was in the mix for the closer role, and he comes in, you know, maybe the fact that it's like the game was over, you know, factored into that, but did give up a couple hits and a run. Uh, I don't like that. I gave him two flames. uh, So, overall – you know, Sims, Simmons, and Smith had the best outings. You had some tough outings from Hunt, Teller, Walker, and I, we'll throw Tepper in there, I guess. I guess he was decent. But overall, you know, really, really excited about the starters. If you find a Saturday starter, you're going to be in great shape. Uh, and there's a couple bullpen pieces that you're excited about, but mostly just need some better control. You got an, a bunch of wild pitches, uh, a couple of hit by pitches, and a couple good, quite a few walks in there. Would love to get that down, for sure. Man, man if we rolled out with TBAs again, oh, buddy. It's done. It's just cancel, cancel the season. We're going back to back. God, that's the most legendary picture of all time. What you talking about? <laughs> so, uh, one thing I want to talk about before we talk about the, you know, how just as a whole, the, the baseball weekend, that crowd, I mean, it was insane. You had guys I – was, I was there – at the front of the line, but there was people right in front of me on Saturday that said they got there at 3 a.m. And these are people that I've, I've met before and know. They're not just pulling my leg. Wait, we you were at the game Saturday? Oh, I was at all of them. 
man, you didn't you didn't try to find me. I don't miss a game, so you just got to find me. Well, I was in, I was out left field. I was in right field. You're gonna have to. We'll we'll get together. My, that's that's on me for this first. Uh, Unless it, I'll tell you what, it's going to take a miracle to pull me from that place any, any weekend, including at the 11 a.m. game tomorrow. I'll be there, rain or shine. Listen, I, I do kind of miss the days when I was in school. We literally parked up. We pull up right there to the hump. And between the hump and the Sanderson Center and park and be no issue. Now, I had, I had to park all the way by basically what – the new, new building right there by Student Union. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, you can park at Barnes and Noble if you get there soon enough. You can park at the any of the dorms on a weekend especially. Uh, it's all Bulldog Club parking closer to the stadium, unfortunately. Listen, I want us to be good, but I don't want us to have all this other – Right, come with it. You can't have one without the other. The hell, listen. Some of us who spent Tuesdays in thirty degrees to watch us play St. Joseph's with drinking fireball with former baseball players out in the outfield, when there's literally twenty people at the whole stadium. Hey, buddy, but they gotta have some kind of tier system there, huh? They gotta. They gotta grade grade your fanship. See who gets who gets what spot. Anyway, uh, I think I'm like I'm like I think we weren't here for the rough times, but that's just me talking. I got you. <laughs> not a big fan. Not a big fan of big crowds. Right. We talked about a lot of the concerns already. You know, I'm concerned with the bullpen. You got to have more control. You had eight walks on Saturday which we've walked more and still won games, but eight is a decent bit. Of course, four of those were from Preston Johnson, and those didn't hurt you too bad. But it seems like all the other walks, even the, the when you on Sunday and Saturday, hurt you. You know, Parker Stinnett's cost you a run. Uh, you've got uh, some walks. Every time somebody – there was traffic on the bases on Sunday, there wasn't a lot of traffic on the bases, but once you got somebody on, they, they were, did a good job of bringing them in. On Sunday, I'm really glad you hit up and down the order. Everybody seemed to get on the party except for Kellum Clark. And you've got two starters. If that can continue, having two for sure starters is going to be a separator in this offensive league that we're going to have this year. I mean, you saw Arkansas can hit. You know Ole Miss can hit. LSU scored 50 runs this, this, this weekend. They're going to be swinging the bats well in the SEC. And to have those type of guys in your arsenal from a pitching standpoint is going to be a separator, I think. You said you, you say that uh, Arkansas didn't look that impressive this no, weekend. We know that they can hit, especially at, at their place. You know, they 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 launch their launch angle team. They've always got some sticks. They did not. You are right. They did not put on an offensive clinic this week. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, if you're scoring all these runs now, just about when April May, May roll around. Told Arkansas fans said, "Y'all peaking too early now." So just, just kind of. They know a thing or two in Fayetteville about peaking early. And I said, "I've seen this story a billion times, guys." I said, "And lo and behold, it happened. They got cold in the super regional. 
last two games and boom. I said, I kind of, kind of like, I mean, we started off slow last year, but we're able to find ways to win. Right. So, uh, I thought it was interesting this week that you didn't see Jackson Fristo. You didn't see Andrew Walling. Of course, we know Fristo is starting the win week game tomorrow at 11 a.m. For those of you that don't know, moved up to 11. Uh I think I, something I do want to say about Fristo, I think if you get him a couple of midweek games and you know he's got the SEC stuff, but if he's pounding the zone, if he's around the strike zone all but on a couple of and multiple midweek outings, I think you got to start thinking about him as a Saturday starter. I was man, I, I was thinking that already, but apparently I think what Bamona says like from what Casey did getting scrimmages against us, he must have saw something. But, so I had, again, you had to go by what Bonus said and see what he does, see what he does this weekend, and then and then from that point, I'd say make a decision. I agree, uh, and I do hope we get to see Andrew Walling tomorrow if that game gets played. Don't be surprised if it gets canceled altogether. I mean that that's not a game that can help you. Speaking of games that can't help you, you know, the weekend series is against Northern Kentucky. You've got to win all of those. I expect to. But those are the types of games that can really crush your strength of strength of schedule, strength of resume, uh, strength of record, because they are not competing for really anything. Uh, you've got to win all of those. And then kind of a big picture, you know, last year you lost a total of five non-conference games and were the seven seed. You're clinging to a seven seed. For you, and I expect, you know, a similar, maybe a slightly worse or slightly better, but hopefully not a slightly worse, but it could be conference record this year as last year. I think it'll be about the same conference oh, record. We're not, oh, we're not going 30 and 0? Oh, I don't – just let me – spoiler alert, we're not going 30 and 0. So everybody listen. Ooh. Not happening yet. Uh, but we do need to win four or five or six out of the next six. You don't need to lose more than two out of the next six. Because at that point, you know, you still have a Governor's Cup coming up. You lose five or six non-conference games, five or six or seven losses and, and three or four losses in the non-conference can be the difference between a, a top eight seed and a nine through 16 seed come May. So you don't want that to happen. Uh, those games after, after this week, you've got a midweek against USM. You got Tulane at Tulane. Uh, a weekend series, and then two midweek games against Texas Tech and Biloxi. So that'll be kind of like a home game, but it'll be a neutral site technically. Those are – that's a tough stretch. That's probably as tough a non-conference stretch as Coach Lamonis has had uh, several games in a row. So got to get – find a way to get all of those. Yeah, I mean, I was say, you dropped like the, the Southern Miss and then win Texas Tech. I mean, even Zal, I mean, even though – yeah, you, you got. I say you got to get not all of them. I just misspoke. Four or five. You want four or five. You can lose one, be all right. You, but I mean, you lose one. I mean, you can still make it up because what's your conference schedule? I mean, we had Tennessee. We got obviously our division. Yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, Georgia. Got to play Florida, who by the way lost the series to Liberty at home. Right. I, I, you know, one thing I just want to – I'm going to end on this. Again, we play Arkansas Pine Bluff at 11 a.m. Tuesday. Jackson Fristo starting. We're covering that. I don't want – there's a lot of people that are like, you know, it's baseball. These games don't matter. It'll figure out. 
And, yeah, that is baseball. And, yes, I do think they will be fine. I think this team is, can, can be as good as they were last year, and we will find out soon enough if that's true, but I expect it to be. But here's the thing I don't want people to say. Those losses do matter. I'm glad it was to a good team. You know, we didn't get come in and lose to, you know, Bryant, if you're looking at ECU out there. Uh, no, they, they got swept. And, and, again, we were one of the only ranked teams other than Vanderbilt and Oklahoma State playing another ranked team. So give us some credit for that. But those lo- that loss that – lo- that loss will count just as much as any other loss. And if we're on the on the quote-unquote bubble for a national seed or for a host spot, I don't expect to be on the bubble for hosting, but for a national seed come May and early June, you know, that loss might come back to bite us. So I don't want people to think, oh, you know, that game – people acting like the game doesn't count. It counts. And it counts just as much as, as a conference game as far as your tournament resume. So well, – I think – I think more so – your your conference schedule is going to determine more so your national seed. It is, it is. But if you're 18 and 12 or 17 and 13, which is good in some years for a national seed, you know, then you're splitting hairs between you know Texas Tech or Oklahoma State or Stanford or Oregon State out there who could also be a top eight. You know, especially playing a West Coast team, if you're competing for that spot. But uh, for that seventh or eighth seed with Stanford, Oregon State, Arizona, who are playing those West Coast schools, they're going to look and say, well, those teams beat Long Beach State and State didn't, and that's going to be a leg up is what I'm trying to say. It, we don't know now. We might we might win 22 conference games, and it won't even be ch- any hair off our chin that we lost these at all, but we don't know the future. Could be. So it's a lot, I guess it's a long season. It's a long season. I'm really glad baseball is back. Uh, if you have anything else to add, do so now, but we're about to close out. Well, y'all wake your asses up at 4.30 a.m. That's the new wake-up time. I was to say, it, it, worked, it worked Sunday morning. I had to change the, had to change the momentum. I had to change the juju. Be on the lookout uh, tomorrow morning for that wake-up tweet for the – we're going to have some breakfast baseball at 11 a.m., Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. And it might quite rise. Do not uh, shortchange yourself on that because it could come a flood in the morning. But got a good week of baseball coming up. We should we expect to win four games this week. We'll be back on Thursday uh, to talk about the upcoming weekend with Daniel Faulkner. And, of course, Lounge will be back to review all of that on Monday. So, we're going to have Andrew on the show right now. He'll be here uh, in just a few seconds to talk about basketball. Mississippi State men are hanging by a thread, and I mean a thread. But until they're completely out of the picture, we're going to still talk about it. And, of course, we'll talk about who's going to be the coach next year because, let's face it, I don't expect it to be Ben Hallen. So we'll talk about that and uh, right around the corner. Thanks for listening. And as promised, I am here with our basketball correspondent, but some may call him a co-host, Andrew Miller. What's up, Andrew? What's going on, man? Uh, you glad baseball's back? I know you're down there on the coast, and you kind of got a bird's eye view of everything. I haven't talked to anybody that watched, just had to watch the games on TV. I, I'm glad they're back. Um, I got to watch most of the three games. Um, had to catch a lot of it on the radio while working on my truck on Saturday, uh, which nice. – Thankfully, that was a, a game that was not worth really watching um, no. the no. way that played out. But, 
hey, yeah, no, I'm excited for baseball to be back. Um, even though I'm still very much in basketball mode, it's it's great to see the Diamond Dogs back in action. Uh, unfortunate they couldn't, you know, win the series this weekend. But to to say what I'm sure you guys discussed on the other part of the show, plenty to go, plenty of season to go, a lot of stuff to change. I mean, there's only some programs in this country that like to brag about going three and zero against Charleston Southern and act like that's the biggest accomplishment on the earth. But those are programs that have been to Omaha once since like 1970 so or 1972. So we don't need to worry about them all that much. But uh, don't, yeah, Diamond don't, forget, don't forget tweeting about a certain school and then when fans of that school reply, calling them first responders. For sure. Um, it's, it's their favorite thing to do, uh, which is why they're an inferior uh, school who will never be able to live up to the same standard is Bulldog baseball. But, I mean, baseball team's going to be down here in a couple of weeks against Texas Tech, so certainly I'm going to try to make it out for uh, at least one of those games, hopefully both of them. If um, you miss those games, you might get fired. <laughs> I'll, I'll try – well, I wish I'd – The Maroon Light Podcast Twitter needs your content on that. When, so when, we, when Texas Tech came down to the coast the last time, uh, those were the two games that were played before the world went to hell. And – I went to game one, which was a state win. Game two, I was not going to be able to go to because I was supposed to be driving back up to Starkville to uh, get on the pet band bus to go up to Nashville for the SEC men's basketball tournament. And about 10 minutes up the road, uh, because I left a little bit late, I then got a text that uh, we are not traveling to the SEC tournament because the SEC tournament has been canceled. So, Hopefully, this time, uh, when we play Texas Tech at MGM Park in Biloxi, the world does not completely fall to pieces. Um, that, that would be a nice change of things. But, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to make it. I wonder, I wonder what the discussion that uh, the announcers will be having that day will be. That's, I'm sure that's all. They'll, they'll talk about it for three innings, about how oh. this was the last, you know, college based college sporting event state of Mississippi before, you know. That's crazy. I was in a – that was spring break. I was in Orlando. I went to D.C. with for a school trip, and then my parents took one of those rare vacations. I had to meet them. They did half of it without me. Last two vacations they've done have been at least in part or totally without me. Uh, I met them in Orlando and was studying because I had stuff coming up that week and also watching baseball and also on vacation all at the same time. So it was a turbulent time for me, and then everything just paused. So – I could be dead wrong here. I think that game I went to might have been Houston Harding's first start or something along yeah. those lines. First start uh, uh, of that year. I, he was – yes. And he played really well, and we yeah. saw him become a really good pitcher for the Bulldogs. So, that was kind of cool to watch. Um, but Anyway, we've already gone on too long. Uh, here to break down uh, some interesting basketball results. Well, the women, you know, very close losses several uh, over the course of the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to talk about the men first. Actually, you know, played well, dropped another game uh, at on the road at Alabama, which is the same movie you've seen before. You have a lead. Uh, you're it, it, somewhere in the last 10 minutes, you're up by as many as seven. And, of course, I knew as soon as Nate Oates got thrown out of that game that it was over. We've seen that movie before, too. Really, really frustrating night. Talk to me just for a couple minutes about what we saw against Alabama on Wednesday. Yeah, well – what was tough there is like it was only like a one or two point game when Oates got ejected and State shot a couple technical free throws and was able to uh, ultimately push the lead out to seven off after a couple possessions. But then you're right, it, 
NATO, it's definitely that he was using that to his advantage. Bam ultimately settled in. And there was a stretch there from about seven minutes to go to like a minute and a half to go. State couldn't hit a shot. And it, if you go back and you look at the box score to that game, I mean, they didn't really turn the ball over. Uh, they, you know, were fine from the free throw line. Um, it, it wasn't that State had a – They normally do. They shot more, but they hit – there's a stretch when they couldn't miss a three. Early, earlier in the game, but prior to that ending right, stretch. Right then, when we were taking the lead and catching back up, we were just – we were raining them. But um, – but I think they missed like 11 shots in a row or something crazy like that. It was just really disgusting basketball. I mean, Cam Carter, that was his first start. and He's remained in the starting lineup since that point. He played well in that first game, but really uh, it, it didn't – it provided a spark to the point of State having a lead on the road in what was time felt like a must-win game. Uh, but unfortunately, once again, what was the story of the – what's the story of the season been? They cannot close out these – these games and it was one of those really frustrating things because and we're going to talk about the you know, big picture bracket stuff in just a few minutes but I, I can't help but look back and just the, where state's been and we you know we've referenced the the, the the Colorado State game and the Florida game and the Minnesota game all that stuff but now I think it's almost as cut and dry as like dude if, if they had held on against Alabama if they'd held on against Florida like those two more wins would be doing so much more for you right now and you'd be in okay shape to close out this season and get yourself in the tournament. But instead, you, you, you can't hold on for those games. You drop another heartbreaker. And that was a game that really – it felt like it moved State completely like, okay, there's zero shot at the beginning of the tournament. But we did technically say that over the final seven games, if State went six and one and the loss wasn't a bad one, there it was a theoretical path. But it was going to – you would then have to – obviously, you would have to win six, which for State means winning their final six. They've done the first two parts of that over the weekend. Friday night against Missouri, State was able to get the win uh, kind of in dominant fashion. Didn't play particularly well early in the game, but they really heated up down the stretch. And ultimately, the biggest difference in the game was just – it was, you know, Missouri turned the ball over a, a bit more, and then State just shot significantly better than the Tigers did. But State was able to cruise to a pretty comfortable win on Friday night against Missouri. And, you know, I think – I guess that secured a winning record for the season. But then you have the quick turnaround playing the Tigers again on Sunday because of the way the makeup schedule was set up. Which is probably – I'm going to go ahead and suggest the only time that has ever happened before is when the, the last opponent of a, of a team's conference season and the first opponent of their conference tournament was the same. But I would, I would go so far as to say is that is probably, at least in modern college basketball, never happened, that you play the same opponent on in a different venue two days in a row, or excuse me, less than 48 hours apart. I I actually think, like you said, when you play in the conference tournament, that can happen. I'm pretty sure that did happen for State a few years ago in one of Howland's first seasons against, like, LSU. Like, they, I think they ended the season with LSU and then immediately played them again right. uh, in the opening season, round. Both season has to be involved. For, for sure, uh, it, it was a it was a tough situation because, and I think for state you're at a bigger disadvantage because when you win the game, yes, there's adjustments you're going to make, but I feel like you typically are going to try to take the same approach. Missouri is the team that's going in with this, obviously with nothing to lose because they're back at home and they're not making the tournament. So. They're not making the, there's nothing to play for. 
but they can sort of look at, okay, here's everything that went wrong. Went wrong. Let's try to fix that. And they, they were giving state fits. Now the Bulldogs were able to get a lead going into halftime. They closed on a nice little run. I think they were up seven at the half, but things really flipped in the second half. And all of a sudden it was looking like, okay, we're going to officially put the dagger in MSU season to where there is zero chance of getting in the tournament outside of a miracle run down in Tampa. State was able to fight back. Uh, did not look. They didn't play well. They didn't shoot the ball well. They were not good from the free throw line, but that was sort of the difference in the game is that they shot a lot more free throws than Missouri did. But uh, with about 10 seconds to go, actually about 15 seconds to go, Missouri misses a shot to take a lead with the game tied at like uh, – what was it tied at, like 56? Yeah, and, the game was tied at 56. So, let's, so I don't mean, have the box score pulled up Absolute me, barn burner, by the way, 56 to 56. Yeah. Um, complete slugfest. And uh, Missouri missed a three. It ricochets back into the hands of Shaquille Moore, who has not been playing well recently. And Moore just oh, out of took the, the ball. Yeah, he, he took the ball, took off running as fast as he could on a, you know, a fast break towards the other end. And instead of, you know, trying to slow the clock out and, you know, hold for the last shot, he's like, no, I'm going to get this thing in the basket now. And drove to the rim, got fouled in the process, gets the ball uh, – to make ends up making the shot to go up two, misses the free throw with about 10 seconds left, and Missouri was able to hold on play in a must win situation from Shaquille Moore. Uh, you love to see that from him considering the struggles that he's had as of late. I mean, look, that, that was a big time transfer for you who had been playing really well earlier in conference play, and like you said, I mean, he's lost his starting job to Cam Carter. He's not been playing particularly well as of late, but he had the biggest play of the game in an absolute must win for MSU. And look, when this schedule got changed, got announced, I did not intend, I didn't, I certainly didn't think State was going to be able to sweep the game. And this is before we saw that, like, oh, they really can't win on the road because this was earlier in conference play that this happened. But it was one of those deals like, you're talking about a quick turnaround, third game in five days. Same opponent that you just played, having to go a quick road trip for that. Who a Missouri team that's been feisty throughout the season, that was going they've to. They've had tough. some close, some cl- they've took it to Alabama a couple times. They had some close ones, so they're not, sure. not pushover. In conference play, they, they've they've had a few games that I think I saw they've lost four games at home by a combined seven points uh, in conference play so far this season, and a, a, a few of those would like that includes Auburn. That includes. Uh, I, don't, I know that includes Auburn and obviously Mississippi State. Maybe this wasn't just at home because they had another close loss to Alabama. Um, but they, they, they could certainly be on the, the other side of their record if things had gone their way. But State was able to make the play and get the win. And a win that, again, like I was trying to say, like it was tough to anticipate that. But especially given what you've seen from State lately, I mean, they were coming off losing four games in a row. Um, and – had lost like six out of seven overall. They had not won a road game all year. And no, going to Columbia, it that's a place that can be a tough atmosphere, but it's not when the team's bad. On a quick turnaround, that just felt like State was going to lose. And clearly you saw they struggled, but they found a way to get the win and that they absolutely had to. And a path does exist for Mississippi State to get back into the NCAA tournament uh, as an at-large not having to win in Tampa. Um, it's going to be 
difficult. The chances are slim. And something we're going to talk about in a second is there's a big thing that hurts MSU, um, considering where they sit on the bubble relative to a lot of other teams. But look, I mean, last night, Joe Lenardi, we, you know, we talk about all the time. He, he mentioned that with a, if they completed a sweep of Missouri, picked up their first road win of the season, uh, he would move state could move up into his next four out. He hasn't updated today to see if he actually did put them there. Um, but he at least mentioned like, you know, a win would, even though it's Missouri, a win would move MSU in the right direction. Now, if you look at a lot of other bracketology right now, state's still not even that high up. Um, Jerry Palm doesn't have them up there. Some of the other guys who've updated don't have them within like the top eight teams out of the field, but it was a big win that you had to have to get you moving back in the right direction. And again, if you can win out, and I know we said this against Alabama, I think, Going to the Alabama game, if you had said State wins out their final seven, I think they would have been safely in the field. If they can finish winning out these six games, uh, and that includes, so I guess it's their next four, actually, they have an okay shot. They're not going to be a lock, but they have a decent shot. So right now, as of today, State's net sits at number 47. They are 16-11 and 11 overall, 7-7 seven and seven in conference play. The conference record really doesn't matter. The, the Selection committee has shown that over and over again. But if you finish with – if you would win out, you'd be at 20 wins. That's fine. I said the Nets at 47. Winning out, you're probably going to be a top 40 team. Now, some of that fluctuates beyond more than just your results. But the big thing there is that would involve a win over Auburn that even at home would give you a nice bump up. Um, right now, you're at 2-8 and eight in quad one games, just two quad one victories. Beating Auburn would be a third. Now, would you pick up a fourth? It depends on whether or not Texas A&M stays within the top 75. Right now, they're number 71. Literally, they could go without playing a game and drop out of the top 75 because of the way the net moves around. But if that's a top 75 team, that becomes a quad one road opportunity. Regardless, it would at least be a quad two road opportunity. And the game you have coming up on Wednesday is going to be a quad two road opportunity against South Carolina. If you get those two wins, neither of them move the needle, but at least gives you it gives you a couple more road wins against quality competition. Um, and the game against Vanderbilt at home doesn't do much for you, but there's technically a path that exists for Vanderbilt to like fight their way into the NCAA tournament conversation that has been laid out by a few actual bracketologists. It's not just Vanderbilt fans like putting stuff out there. So wouldn't be a bad win for you, but it's only quad three is what it would count for since you're playing them at home. If you're sitting at 20 and 11, you have three to four quadrant one wins. You don't take another bad loss. Your net's going to be in the top 40. There's an okay resume here. It's not great, but I'll tell you that it's a better resume than what you had with the Reggie Perry team that was you know, in a, in a similar position. That also went 20 and 11 and theoretically 11 and 7 in the SEC which is what we're laying out here. Um, and, I mean, the good thing State has going for it is that a lot of the metrics like MSU a lot. They're 38 in Ken Palm. They're 26 in the BPI, 43 in the Sagarin Index. Those go on the team sheet, and the committee uses those to evaluate. And if you look at that, I mean, it all suggests that MSU is a tournament team based on quality. Um Unfortunately, the other side of things is the resume. And we're going to talk more on that. I talked about it a second ago. We're going to bring that up again in just a sec. But 
those would all improve as well. If State's sitting, you know, they win their final four games, they're in an okay spot. Now, I think you would need to win at least one in Tampa to feel really good because depending on who you play, you could either take a bad loss. Um, you could, even if you lose to a good team, if another team around the country jumps up, all of a sudden that, that takes a big hit to uh, – or they can move ahead of you. I think you need to win out plus pick up a win in Tampa if you want to feel good about getting in this thing. Now, the biggest thing that's hurting Mississippi State, we talked about this earlier in the year, is quality metrics versus resume metrics. So I mentioned that State ranks really well in the quality. That's Ken Palm. That's your basketball power index. That's SACR. Those are just rating systems that evaluate how good they think the team is based on how they play. They don't care whether you win or lose. If they see that State played a bunch of good teams well on the road, and State has, then they're going to say State's a good team. But it doesn't matter to them that State did not win any of those games. Your resume metrics, on the other hand, care about that a lot. And unfortunately, Mississippi State's not in a good range when it comes to the resume. Uh, that's like your KPI, uh, your strength of record. State's not in a good spot when it comes to those. They're, they're 57 in KPI. They are number 69, nice in strength of record. And that also goes in an easy way to figure, like, resume is like, you know, your quadrant rankings. You know, State has a couple bad losses, and right now they only have two good wins. Um, and, like, that's neither of those things are going to blow anybody away. And the reason I bring this up is we, we talked about this guy earlier in the season, Lucas uh, Harkins for Pete uh, really, really good at what he does. And we mentioned the, an article that he wrote where he laid out what matters more for selection. Does your resume or your quality matter? Because you do have teams where there's a big discrepancy. You, uh, even though a lot of teams are going to have, you know, they're going to have a good resume and also have good quality. You have some teams that are the complete opposite, or they they only have one or the other. And we talked about this before: how uh, when you look at teams that had top fifty resume focused metrics, but were sub top fifty or sub fifty when it comes to their quality metrics in twenty nineteen or twenty twenty one. So the two years that we've had the net teams selected. Eight out of 13 of those teams that were better in the resume than they were in quality made the tournament. On the flip side, the teams that were in the top 50 in terms of quality, but were sub 50 in terms of resume, only two of 12 teams made the tournament. So you have the vast majority of teams that were really good in the resume, but not great in terms of like the analytics. Those teams got in. The teams that the analytics all said were good basketball teams, but didn't really have the impressive resume, those teams got left out. And as I mentioned, Mississippi State is a team that is currently this year. They are top 50 in quality metrics. They are sub 50 in resume metrics. Uh, some similar teams are Virginia Tech, Indiana, Memphis, Oklahoma, Florida, uh, who you lost to, Dayton. This is not an end-all be-all. Teams, a couple of those teams have been selected. But it is not a great sign for Mississippi State that you know, they don't have the resume points to help them. Like, just because the analytics say they're good does not mean the committee cares. Now, when it comes to seeding purposes, the analytics matter more. Like, it, a big, big debate is all that one. The favor one, I'm going to favor Gonzaga because the analytics like Gonzaga more. And that's how they tend to pick for seeding purposes. But when it comes to teams getting into the field, they care. Okay, do you have good wins? 
Like they don't care so much whether or not a computer thinks you play good basketball. They care who you've beaten. And state lacks a lot in that department. Now, the good thing here is we're talking about in this scenario where state wins out, beating Auburn, which would go a really, really long way, even with that game at home. Obviously, all these games left are must wins for Mississippi State, but if you can take down the Tigers, that is the type of signature win on the resume that you can point to and say, okay, we beat a team who's a potential one seed. We deserve to be in the tournament. Yeah. Now, all in do- all, I think the crux of what we're getting at is the, the, the summary would be, you know, so you're saying there's a chance. It's a slim chance. <laughs> we already talked about how we don't expect Howland to last the season. Let's say all that slim, very slim chance, all that happens. We make the tournament. Let's just let's just end it right there. We make the tournament. What then is Coach Howell and Mississippi State basketball's future? Do you think? I mean, are you is he is he fired? Is he going to retire? Quote unquote. Uh, are we are is he are we going to move on with him? So, there, I have been under the assumption for a long time that if this team got to the tournament, Ben Howell would be be back next year, barring a retirement. I saw something today that may have changed my mindset a little bit Um, in a MSU Facebook group. uh, People were having this exact discussion. Let's say we make the tournament is, is Ben Hallen going to be able to keep his job? And somebody, there was somebody who went as far as say, I think as long as he makes the tournament and wins a game of the tournament, like he's going to be back. I don't want him to be back, but I think he'll be back. Well, then there was a reply to that from someone you all know, Steve Robertson for two, four, seven sports covers the Bulldogs over on Gene's page. Obviously, you know, one of our best beat writers that we have. He just gave a little one-word response, and he didn't go into depth. I asked for some elaboration, but he didn't provide it, probably because he doesn't want to, you know, leak information that he maybe is not – it's not yet the time to leak. But he said it was unlikely. And I will say, of all the guys on our beat, Steve has been a little bit more proactive in terms of talking candidates and the future of MSU men's basketball in terms of who's taken over this thing. A lot of the Sean Miller – stuff have come has come from him um or at least in terms of that getting out you know to, that name being floated out there that makes me think that there's a good chance that regardless of what happens this year barring just a wild run in the tournament Ben Howland's gone next year and I don't know if it would be a you know he quote-unquote retires or if he's actually fired and look to be clear we're talking about this path for the tournament if state loses any of these games then that's it Right, Howland, because we don't. Allen's done. We're not in the tournament. Doesn't matter. So we're. This is. There's a lot of what ifs are going on here that require hinge on a lot of, you know, a lot of things falling your way. Right, but it does seem, and this is nothing confirmed, but if if I'm reading what Steve is saying correctly, and I apologize if I'm completely misquoting him, or if I in, interpreted things wrong, but I do think you know if it's coming from him. It, there's probably some validity to it. Uh, it, it kind of feels like this is going to be it for Ben Howland at Mississippi State, regardless of what happens. I will say I have mixed feelings on that because even though I have told you many, said many times on here that I don't necessarily trust our future with Ben Howland, I'm not going to say that you fire a coach if he gets you to the tournament, considering where we've been at. Um, now, if he were to just retire, well, then at least perception-wise, that's fine for you. I just – I do wonder how attractive does the MSU job look to an outside candidate? We've already talked about that, but, like, specifically, if they were to fire a coach who gets them to the tournament, 
and as one guy laid out, win a game in the tournament, which you haven't done since 2008. If you were to get to the tournament and win a game and then you fire the coach when you were Mississippi State, you've only been to the tournament twice since 2009 in, in this theory. How great of a job does this look like? I mean, and it now like we we it we we are people argue this with football. You just it looks like we expect too much. I don't think that's true, but from the outside looking in, it looks like we expect too much. And right then, the and the problem is, as much as like state fans hate you know the perception of MSU and how people view us too lowly, I've read plenty plenty of comments like because you brought up football, I've read comments from like anonymous coaches and people around the college football industry. Uh, who are like well connected, and none of them like thought the Joe Moorhead decision was right from MSU. Now, as we all know, there's much more to the situation. It, it was not as simple loss. as wins and losses. And I don't think it's a win loss thing with Ben Howland. I think it's a it's a how you loss thing. You know how? For, for sure, for sure. Like, I would fully understand why State would make the move. The only thing that concerns me is the perception nationally because of who you could get. Now, I think if you're making this move, there's a decent chance you know that you've got a candidate in wait. Right. I, and if I that's think, the case, I think if if the way Steve's talking makes me think that the the cogs are already turning, that I'm of the opinion you can call it a conspiracy theory or not. I'm of the opinion that they've been looking at candidates for over a year, and that they've probably been talking to candidates since January. I mean, what are we at? Three weeks into February. So where I think stuff's been going on longer than. Uh, then the casual observer would would want to believe or that the public is going to be be able to know because of course as soon as he's hired they'll hire somebody in a week and they'll be like oh we searched all week this is what the coaching search found they have not been searching for just a week okay they it's going to go on longer than for that for sure for sure i just i can't help but think back you know when you move on from rick stansberry and there was a a lot of conversation there that like state thought they had some candidates in place and all those guys turn down the job, and you end up with the second assistant at Clemson. Yeah. So I just don't want that future for MSU, which is why I am – I would be timid about moving – like publicly moving on from a coach if after he gets you to an NCAA tournament appearance. If you got somebody in place, though, all right, let's ride. Um, and I, I do ultimately think you're, you're right that this is probably something that they've been looking at. So if I were putting the odds on it, I mean – even if State gets into this thing, I don't expect Ben Howland to return as MSU's coach next season, uh, which means, you know, a new era of MSU basketball. But for the time being, a, a path still exists for the tournament. We've laid it out many times. I, I would love for them to make it. It's been a frustrating season, but, I mean, I would love to see this team dancing in March if they can find a way to get there and play their play themselves in. I know a lot of you are on to baseball season, and we've already talked way, way longer than we were supposed to on this, which that's typically been a theme for us, but uh, as long as a path exists, we're still going to discuss it. So um, we, we may get more into the coaching candidate stuff uh, if they you know, drop a game coming up. They got South Carolina on Wednesday. Carolina's coming off three straight wins, including taking down LSU. So they're playing pretty good basketball, but obviously State was able to beat them earlier in the season in Starkville. Uh, hopefully it's a, the same story when they go on the road to, uh, what is it, Colonial Life Arena or whatever it's called over there. Right. Um, so, Yeah. All good stuff. Great to hear from Andrew, of course, once again, our co-host. And we'll be back uh, here on Thursday. It's going to be – we will have a basketball game to discuss. Uh, 
we'll see depending on how that goes if we'll discuss it. If we lose and our season's over, you know, there's not so much of a sense of urgency. But if we win, uh, then we'll certainly get Andrew back on. Uh, the next time, if we lose, Andrew, the next time it is all, you know, we're going to talk about coaching. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that that's, that's the plan from this point on. Like, yeah. if once one we, more loss and it's coaching. Once they get into the SEC tournament, if they start going on a run, maybe we bring it back up. Maybe. But if they keep winning, if they keep winning, we, we, we can discuss possibilities. I, I'm still – I said a week ago, like, I thought this team was done. I still think that. I'm not giving up on them. I want everybody to show up, especially if we win these next two games. Uh, for the big game against Auburn, but look, I don't. I still think there's it's a a prayer and nothing else that they went off for these games. For sure. Uh, for but sure. we will be back on Thursday to preview uh, Northern Kentucky and more to just talk baseball. I don't. I'm not sure how much previewing of Northern Kentucky we'll get, uh, but we'll do some research and make sure. Uh, until next time, though, as always, swing your sword and hail state. Hail state.